know you don't have a girlfriend, Ethan. And I know that you like me. You know, this is kind of... Can I just be honest? Go ahead, go ahead. I really like someone else. Do you... Did you... Oh my god, I am so sorry. I led you on. Angela, I like you. As a friend. You're the sweetest thing. Oh my god. Really? Yes, you completely misinterpreted really? Oh. everything. But you're not my type. Oh, oh. Don't worry. God, I'm so embarrassed. It happens all the time. It's cool. I'm really happy that we got this cleared up because the guy that I like is your friend Dave. Dave! Yeah. Fudge! I'm so crazy about it and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't shut up about him. I know, you can't shut up about him. No. <laughs> you want me to go talk to him, don't you? Oh my God, would you really? Move no problem. I'll put it in my little black book. I'll say, talk to Dave about Angela. Don't worry. Come here. Let's give these lousy sons of bitches some need, huh? Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 88, Slackers. The uh, conclusion to the listener request, finally. This is listener request number 8. And then why don't you tell us who it was requested uh, From by. Justin by Mail Delivery. Yeah, we actually got a copy on DVD of this film in the mail. Uh, not to be confused with the uh, 1991 film Slacker, the Linklater picture. This is 2002, directed by Dewey Nix, starring Jason Schwartzman, a Devin little Sawa, less, Jason uh, Siegel. Critical acclaim than Slacker. Right, yeah, this, yeah. Um, and Rough time. Uh, <laughs> with the critics for this one. Uh, yeah. Before we get to the subject at hand, though, I guess, um, obviously we recorded our last episode, Empire Records, uh, before the Academy Awards oh, aired. Yeah. Now, I guess, would be the time for us to give our feelings, reaction to a another year in the books, so another really long broadcast of the yeah, Oscars. Yeah, really. Uh, just no interest in kind of shortening the time spent on no. these uh, awards that no one cares about. Honestly, I mean, I, I mean, if you listen to our um, "Give Us a Second" episodes, um, we we made some, or at least I did, made some predictions on the major categories. I I really don't even remember what I predicted, other than Lady Bird for Best Picture, I which did not win. Uh, Francis McDormand. Yeah, I think I got the acting ones correct, and Guillermo del Toro. Um, I I don't remember some of the other ones, but yeah, I mean, The Shape of Water won Best Picture. Certainly not our favorite movie of the year, but there have definitely been worse 
best best picture winners, so it's, you know, what can you do? It's hard to say with this one, but I, I do feel like, once again, this is an example where a few years down the line, it's gonna you're going to look back and be like, oh, Shape of Water won that year? Probably, but, I mean, that's just how it goes, yeah. I think, at this point. Yeah, this year they didn't have the big uh, controversial ending, which... That's a bummer. <laughs> really <laughs> freaked really us out last year. Uh, uh, I did love having Faye Dunaway and uh, what's his face, Warren Beatty, come back to do the uh, yeah presentation again. That was a, little, a fun little swerve. Yeah, I mean, apparently it, it the it had been spoiled by TMZ ahead of time. Yeah, I didn't know about it. I didn't either, and I'm uh, glad that I didn't because it. That made it funny. If I had known, then it would have been... Yeah, it was like, like a nice meh. surprise, but yet at the same time, once it started happening, it was like, oh, well, yeah, of course, this makes sense. This right. is the only logical. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that the one thing that kind of disgusted me the most, and I don't... I really don't know who to blame for this. You know, I would blame Jimmy Kimmel, but I, I do ultimately like him as a host for the show i think he's pretty good at it but i just i don't understand the thought process where they make the viewer sit through so much for hours and hours every best song nominee has to be performed every video montage the death montage all of this stuff all of these awards that the people at home don't really care about etc etc building up to the best picture winner which if you've sat through the four and a half hours or whatever the fuck it is, three and a half hours, this is all you're really waiting for. This is what you've spent all this time on. They announce the Best Picture winner and, uh, you know, they come up to accept the award and Guillermo del Toro speaks first. And then the other producer who is accepting the award starts to speak and is immediately cut off and ushered off stage. Right. I mean, this is the Best Picture winner. I know, and they're rushing crazy. him off the stage so that they can get back to their, you know, recurring joke of the night, which was the jet ski thing. Because uh, then they brought yeah, that we really out on stage. To see what happened with that? I mean, I get that that was funny, and I liked seeing Helen Mirren. That was great, and all that again. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, really, we've we sat through three and a half hours so that you can rush the best picture winners off stage after like. Some of the other speeches got to be considerably longer than that. I mean, what the fuck is happening? It is bizarre. What is the point of this show? Yeah, you would think Best Picture would get a big spotlight, but it's always like a mad dash. At I know, the end. it's so they dumb. They never learn from the past. Right, and I mean, obviously it's planned that it's going to go a certain amount of time, and they knew that it was going to be about three hours and 40 minutes or so. I mean, it wasn't a surprise to them how long the show was, but I mean... Part of it should be like, hey, let's put at least five minutes for the acceptance speech of Best Picture because this is the big deal. Let's treat it like a big deal. And here's the thing. I, I like live music, but it's just like, really? Can we just wipe the performances of the best song? Yeah, we don't need it. It's so unnecessary. It doesn't even really fit the vibe of the show. And and the songs are all over the place. And it's like when you watch this year, you're, you're like, Holy shit, how did that Greatest Showman song not win? Because <laughs> the performance blew everything else out of the water. Yeah, ultimately what ends up happening every year is that one of the songs performed is clearly the best one, and even the live audience in the theater you know, is clearly feeling that way too. Right. And then that song doesn't win. It's it, It's happened a couple years in a row now. 
I guess the idea is if you're going to, you know, I don't know. I guess they probably were like, let's do, um, you know, let's do. They probably, I think, used to do at least like a couple songs. And then they were probably like, well, it's not fair. We got to do all of them. Yeah, it's like, well, let's just do none of them. How about that? Yeah, exactly. That saves you like 40 minutes right there. I honestly don't think that people would be that bummed. I mean, I don't think so either. (laughs) Are people really tuning into the Oscars for, you know, Live, live performances. performances. Yeah, I, I don't think so. And another thing that bummed me out this year, and I know it was kind of a, you know, something that was out of their hands or out of their power, was the whole not having uh, the last year's best actor and best actress give those awards out to the, you know, current ones like they've done in the past. And I understand that, that Casey Affleck removed himself from that position. But it's a tradition that I kind of like, and I thought that was kind of a bummer not having that. Well, I mean, ultimately, I don't know. I mean, I I do think that the presenters going into business for themselves, trying to put themselves over with their little fucking comments and shit, (laughs) it's not really, when you think about it, it's not really helpful. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you have some sort of fucking problem with it, then don't be there. And it's like, I, I mean, I guess people who didn't watch it might not know what I'm referring to but i don't even want to really get into it it's no just, that's true it, it's yeah. just like it, it's it, just someone yeah going into business for yourself not there to do the job and put the next person over well it just throws shade <laughs> under the people that were nominated so what right. you're saying is when you're when you're saying like oh these are the four male nominees and the one and greta gerwig you're basically like oh well it should have been more women or whatever well it's like well you know well, then who shouldn't have been nominated out of that group? Why don't you get up there when you're doing your presentation and say, this person shouldn't have been nominated and a different woman should right. have been or what, or whatever. I mean, if you want to make some comments publicly after the show or before the show, that's different. But when you're on the stage, it's like, you know, these are the people that are nominated. You're You're here to recognize their achievement. You know, I think... In the future, obviously, we're headed towards a time where, like, more women and people of color will be recognized, and that's fine. But, like, we're it, we're not in that moment yet, and so you th- throwing shade to the nominees, basically, by calling it out on stage is, like, it's not really... Like, it's their fault for making something or writing something or acting in something that people is liked and thought was good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. It is what it is. I do think that people get too carried away and too like fired up like in the moment every year because like always there's like some sort of immediate backlash reaction on twitter as there is to fucking everything in the world but you know because people some people were mad that lady bird didn't win anything and it's like well who cares you know what i mean who who ultimately cares who wins these awards and doesn't it's like the studios just loved lady bird then just fucking love it it's What's, out. You can buy it on Blu-ray and have it, and then you're fine, and you can watch it as many times as you want. Yeah. And whether it won an Oscar or not doesn't change anything. Right. The studio just wants to put that on the Blu-ray case to try and sell more Blu-rays. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, some of these movies end up making a little bit more money because of winning. You know, after the fact, you know, it gets more sales and more pay-per-view buys and you know they might put it back in theaters and it might get a few more million or what but like what that doesn't mean anything to you as a fan of the movie whether or not it wins an award isn't going to change whether or not you can see it so you can see it as many times as you want it doesn't really matter i mean who cares but people you know 
Twitter well, is I think, a fucking toilet, yeah. and it's just. <laughs> but people know, aren't really upset about that because they love Ladybird so much. They have their own reasons, well, obviously. Well, people just want to get people want to be mad about everything, and right. I think going forward, and this is this is going to be a tough decree to stick to, but I think going forward on this podcast, I'm going to try not to get involved in these kind of things anymore because it's so pointless to just bitch about how terrible the world is because we're just you know the easy the the easiest way is there's like a 90 percent next episode we get into (laughs) something like this right out of the gate it's just like i gotta you know stop getting sucked into every kind of bullshit thing on twitter and reddit or wherever it's just like enough all right who cares so (laughs) the academy awards are over i always I, i mean i like to watch it and it's fine and it's fun and like most years you know i'm kind of like you know not into the best picture winner and it doesn't really matter to me it's yeah i'm still getting the blu-rays i want (laughs) exactly yeah so it is what it is there you go so we will not be getting into these types of topics going forward hopefully not unless (laughs) something like really dramatic happens um (laughs) any other thoughts from the academy awards I mean, obviously a lot of beautiful women in the house, uh, <laughs> but Helen Mirren at like what's fucking seventy something years Looking old, really incredible, incredible still. Yeah, I, I'm all in on Helen Mirren. Yeah, good times. I was actually, it's kind of funny because we we've talked about this a little bit uh, with um, the Last Picture Show and Sybil Shepherd, and you know how beautiful she was in that film and obviously you know people get older and so you're per- like if if you didn't see these people until they were old and you don't have that same uh perspective of seeing them back in the day and obviously like you, you mentioned Faye Dunaway that she's another one you know from Bonnie and Clyde she looks unbelievable and Helen Mirren obviously who still looks great and ha- you know if you go back in time she was obviously known as like a really hot chick back yeah, yeah. in the day like the Caligula. the 70s and whatnot but uh <laughs> but uh i recently was watching a movie called uh farewell my lovely uh it's like a um raymond chandler adaptation you know like uh the big sleep or the long goodbye or whatever and th- it was one of the ones from the 70s with robert mitchum and there's like this woman in it and i was like Wow, that is like a really attractive woman, <laughs> as I usually <laughs> am take. when yeah. I'm watching a movie. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, good lord, who is this?" And I was like looking it up, and it's Charlotte Rampling. How much? How many like parts of movies do you miss when you just start going? I gotta see who this chick is. Well, and you're like, come well, on, get into the and Wikipedia. I believe that she was like just nominated for an Oscar recently. Yeah, and she's like an older lady now, and I had no idea who she was, you know, until she was nominated for an Oscar. Because I mean, I missed her whole career because I wasn't born, basically. And that's uh, too bad. Yeah, and I'm just like, it, it, you know, it does dawn on you that like a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of these like women that are older didn't just get famous when they were old (laughs) you know what i mean right it (laughs) came from somewhere i don't feel like this is a shocking revelation but it's like it's something i never really considered it's like oh yeah these were all like 
the hot actresses back in the day and some of them get to stick around i guess and end up getting nominated for an oscar when they're in their like right. 60s or 70s or whatever but i think helen mirren is smoking <laughs> i mean i am so in on her right now <laughs> yeah it's kind of it's actually like a little bit disturbing and it kind of reminds right. me a little bit of uh, Jason Schwartzman from this movie we're about to do. Yeah, I've got the Helen Mirren hair doll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that wraps up our Oscars discussion this year. Last year, if you want to hear our take on last year's awards, that was on the Knock Knock episode made famous by uh, Eli Roth listening to it, Which apparently. We're also making a decree we won't bring that up again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're bringing that up. We <laughs> we haven't brought that up enough, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's really the only noteworthy thing that's ever happened to this show. Well, that's true. <laughs> As always, follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. I think we're only... You know, if we knew a little bit more about computers, maybe we would be available on some other uh, podcast services. Uh, what other ones really... do you need, really, though? I mean, I guess that, other people that use be the main other thing. things. Well, I, Spotify, I don't know. Well, well we need Google a producer Play. then. I, I don't know. I, if someone wants to be a producer for the show, <laughs> I'm not, send I'm, us an email. I'm not saying that we should do that. I'm saying if we knew more, then we would, right. but we don't, so we're not. Okay. <laughs> That's it. It was you didn't need to take it so personally. <laughs> I don't know. It, I mean, maybe there's avenues out there to make the show better, but obviously, Podbean and Apple Music is enough, right? I, I mean, Apple what, is Ap- the main, iTunes, yeah. whatever the fuck. <laughs> Apple Music. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might be on there. I yeah. Know. Can you get podcasts through that? I don't know. Um. Anyway, I don't think so. So yeah, just continue to uh, spread the word and and help us get some more downloads because we could really use it. <laughs> Although the uh, Empire Records episode performing well. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback on the Empire Records episode. We're really proud of it. Um, this one though, we're probably not going to be as proud of. Right. Sometimes that happens. Honestly, uh, we just watched Slackers moments ago. It just concluded, and I honestly. I, I don't know what happened. Had to do this one while it was uh, still fresh in our minds. Yeah, believe it or not, I actually saw this in the theater back in the day, which is not necessarily something I'm super proud of, but it did happen. I think I saw this like uh, for rent. <laughs> <laughs> Rented it from Blockbuster or something in the early 2000s, maybe like 2003. What year did this come out? 2002. Okay. Yeah, that that seems about right. Really, one takeaway right out of the gate, the girl from that 70s show, Laura Prepon, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I know. Uh, really, is there any reason for her character to be in this movie? No, not She doesn't really, really do anything. She's she has some scenes. Angela's friend. Right. I don't know what her, even her name but was. But that character could have been completely cut out, and it would have changed the movie uh, zero amount. Well, I think a lot of things could have been cut out, including the movie itself. Could have just been cut out of existence and nothing would be changed. Yeah, you know, I guess they wanted to get another uh, woman in the mix. I I did like, I I don't know, I actually kind of liked her character a little bit. She had some funny parts, like at the end with uh, Jason Segel, but... And, you know, she has, like, that 
she's like kind of like a dominatrixy kind of character at one point with that guy like on a chain and he's like tied up or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the scene where she is masturbating with a a vibrator or whatever on the couch and the one dude comes in and she just like doesn't even stop. It, it was I was like, what is happening? This this is insane. Although you right. can kind of say that about a lot of the things in the movie. It's like it's existing in a reality that's so over the top that you just can't take Big any Beat's moment in it seriously. Is super weird and, and not really consistent what he's supposed to be like. At times it seems like he's like this idiot savant type thing. But then there's other scenes where he seems like completely normal, and then there's other scenes where he seems just like a complete moron. It's hard to really figure out what Who exactly. Who are you talking about? Uh, Big Pete from Pete and Pete. Oh yeah, Michael Morona from Big Pete or from Pete and Pete <laughs> is in this. At one point, his penis is talking or singing. Yeah, he's and doing a ventriloquist act. Well, yeah, yeah, at first, and then he's singing and his penis is singing together. Right. Yeah. As well. If- uh, I think really good ventriloquists can do that, right? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see how that would be possible. But. Um, but what is actually going on moving the sock? I mean, well, apparently oh, they originally abilities? had a CGI penis, and the MPAA said they had to put a sock over it. Oh, it okay. wasn't actually his real penis, but yeah. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, what a uh, weird idea. I will say that despite how much I hated this movie, Jason Schwartzman, Schwartzman's character did make me laugh uh, a few times. So, Oh, it, yeah. Jason Schwartzman is certainly the saving grace of it. It wasn't like there wasn't any laughs in the movie, um, but everything else about it is terrible. I mean, the story <laughs> is insane, and it, nothing in it makes sense. Uh, the people are mostly... Well, the people that are supposed to be the baby faces are totally unlikable. Uh, the three right. main guys, uh, Seagull, Devin Sawa, and Big Pete, they're fucking terrible. Uh, Angela, played by Jamie King, is a fake person. I mean, it's not that she's unlikable. She's insanely likable to the point where you're like, this isn't a real person. Like, she volunteers at multiple places. Oh, yeah. It's like, she's how like much a time saint. does she have? And... She's even like kind of nice to Ethan, played by Jason Schwartzman, even Who after is it's psychotic. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it's kind of revealed that he's completely insane. Even before she knows about the hair doll and all that shit. Like she's she, she has enough evidence to be like, I should never talk to this dude. He's outside of my window singing a song at three in the morning and he's terrible. Right. And she's still <laughs> like, All right, I guess you can come up and then she is kind of nice to him still. It's just like she's insane. Like th- that would never happen. Something that jumped out to me right out of the gate, though, kind of a thing you would see in the the '90s movies a lot. The kind of character voiceover starting as the production logos are coming up. Yeah, I, I like that move. I don't. <laughs> it's a it's a real weak writing move because it's like we don't we know this movie's bullshit so let me try to explain it to you even though we don't anything where i'm saying anything the voiceover is saying you could figure out for yourself if you had half of a brain but they know that the people watching this don't even have half a brain so they're like we got to explain every fucking second of it and it's like you know their whole okay so these guys are like three buddies in college they they're almost all the way through and zach told me 
uh, before we started recording this, he was not going to be so negative about this movie. <laughs> I'm not. It's. I said it. I, there were some times that I laughed. Yeah, that's I got true. some laughs out of it. Right. But okay, so. <laughs> So these three dudes, their whole thing, like, as Jason Segel succinctly puts it later in the film, like, their whole college careers are basically like house of cards built upon a million lies and scams, and they cheat. Uh, That's their whole thing, is to come up with these elaborate ways to get the tests ahead of time. And The one we see in the beginning makes no sense that that they would be able to pull this off. I I, I know. It takes so many steps. I know, and how do they know? Like which I don't know. I guess it's not like and they're UPS, having to rob like whatever. an armed security truck with those blue books in it. Well, it was like a delivery truck, like a yeah. UPS style thing or whatever. But how would they know which one it was on? And I mean, it's just like oh god. But uh, like I don't know. It just I don't know. So Dave is like the main guy played by Devin Sawa, and he meets uh, Angela. Played by Jamie King. With when a good taking, point like, by a test too. Because he's just at some point like, how could I not? And they're kind of showing like a close-up of her face. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's insanely beautiful. She's like a model. And then she's right? in this movie. So it's like, yeah, we're just in class with a fucking model. And, you know, she kind of comes. I, I, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about that world. But, I mean, it seems like she kind of comes out of that heroin chic phase where, like, the girls were, like, super skinny Oh yeah, and look like they're on heroin because they were a lot it's like of them. Neon demon, they just like smoke <laughs> cigarettes and drink espresso. Yeah, and uh, order fucking vodka tonics. So somehow he like writes his. No- I, this is a part that I, I, I literally don't understand. And even when I was reading the Wikipedia thing, I, I still didn't get it. He like the, he's he sits next to her during like a midterm test, even though they're up, supposedly right about to graduate. Their midterm and their fucking final exams seem to be within a week of each other, which doesn't make any sense. But anyway, he's sitting next to her, and he writes his number on her test or something, and somehow Jason Schwartzman steals this and knows that they're cheating. Which I don't understand how he knows they're cheating. What happened exactly? I guess he started following him after that. I, I don't know. It's because he knows who the other dudes are, too. I guess. I mean, I guess he because uh, cool Ethan, Jason Schwartzman, he's already in love with Angela that he becomes suspicious of this Dave guy who writes his number down for her. And so he starts following her him around or whatever. I, I don't know. But he basically holds it over our trio of heroes here uh that he knows that they're cheating and what he wants from them is their help in getting angela right which i mean come on they're not miracle workers here (laughs) yeah well i do like that part of the i don't know the uh the back like the backbone of which this movie exists upon is this idea that like if you find out enough stuff about a girl that you can get her no matter that, who you Well, are. that is, I mean, that's a reoccurring topic or theme in movies is this idea that uh, girls can be convinced that they should date you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, in all fairness, sometimes they can, but I think, <laughs> but I still think you need wear to wear them down, but you still need to be within, within a range. Yeah. Okay. Right. You can't just be like, I don't think I could know every single thing 
about Ana de Armas. I don't think there's any way I'm getting. I'm convincing her that it's a right. good idea to. Date you know me. what her favorite color is. <laughs> like I just don't think it's happening. Yeah. Like it's just not gonna happen. Well, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> uh, but you know, like. Well, I'm not saying I couldn't get into her range. I'd have to, you know, get a lot of money and yeah, be famous first. Right. But <laughs> and then once that happens, you can pull the move where you, like, ask her on two dates the All first right. time. Th- let's not bring that up. So <laughs> let's not bring up times that I've collected hair and made hair at all. <laughs> let's leave that out of this show entirely, please. Well, no, but I mean, the breadcrumbs are there. <laughs> what I'm saying is Ethan is so far out of Angela's league because not because Jason Schwartzman's like an unattractive dude or any it's just that he's such a, a socially inept weirdo. He's a dweeb and he works at uh knockoff Denny's. Yeah, and I mean they they never like get into that. They they never like say like oh she cuz they don't ultimately in these kind of movies they don't want to portray the girl of like the girl of our dreams, like the dream girl of the movie, as like being bad in any way. So they like, never they have don't want her, her to be like superficial. They they never want have her reject him outright for being a loser or being un, like unattractive or being unpopular. But so they have to make him ultra terrible and him and her ultra sweet and great. And so because of that, there's always this underlying idea that like maybe he can somehow make this happen especially when later in the film like dave fucks it up and he's like worming his way like ethan is further worming his way into her world <laughs> a little bit more because you're like if there was like if if it was already established where she just out- rejected him outright the movie would kind of be over because it's right. like well we and know that these three reflect dudes, reality yeah well like the, we know these three dudes no matter what they do even if dave doesn't end up falling in love with her like they're not going to be ever be able to do anything to make this happen because it's just impossible you know what i mean like yeah. it has to there has to be like this pretend uh construction of a possibility <laughs> that, that they could somehow convince her to do this because that's what he wants right and that's although what the whole movie is you know, going off. Of. You never feel that way. No. in this movie. No, because he's too weird. Right. Like this movie is just. They a- give him opportunities to get in a room with her, and he just makes it incredibly worse. Right, because this movie is just a broad like comedy. It's not like at any time we're supposed to be invested in where this is going. Yeah, like it's not like fucking Pretty in Pink or something, or, or which is the one with fucking. Uh, Ducky, sixteen candles, or is that pretty in pink? I think I can't remember. Pink. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like even though like Ducky is like horrible, right? We're not supposed to. Is let... that the one that has "If You Leave" in it? I don't know. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying. Like it's not supposed to be like a serious movie where there's like an actual uh choice and like you know the drama of the film makes the choice make sense to the viewers where something is slowly built up over time and like the viewers are then confronted with that same thing of like well this is your best friend this is your dream guy but it's like no jason schwartzman is just terrible and we hate him as much as the characters should hate him and we want angela to hate him as much as everyone else (laughs) because he's terrible yeah and scary really but maybe if Pretty Pink kept rolling, Molly Ringwald finds out that Ducky does have 
a hair doll. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it happens. But <laughs> Sometimes. I'm sure he had like some sort of weird shrine. I definitely think he took stuff from like her bedroom. Who wouldn't? Right. <laughs> when given the chance. I mean, come on. Well, is it, what is that? Which movie is it with Anthony Michael Hall and the underwear? Is that 16? That's 16 Candles. Oh, um, yeah. God. John Hughes. It was a different time. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, of course, you know, they they use their all of their, like, scheming abilities because Jason Segel and Big Pete, and to a lesser extent, Dave, they seem to be existing in a college that would never be real, and they live in a place that doesn't look like a dorm room. Well, I wanted to talk they about... They do things that are seemingly impossible. This move, when the plan starts, okay, we need to, like, get the intel, we need to get the information where... We need to get... Ways to put uh, Jason Schwartzman in a room with her. But the first move where they're like, okay, we're going to make contact with her is Devin Sawa goes into a class and gives her a matchbook and just starts basically like talking about cool Ethan. I don't understand this move at all. I guess it's a a seed planter, but I, I don't know what this is exactly supposed to set up. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, nothing really makes sense to me. I guess it's just to, like, I don't know. They kind of tried to establish something with Devin Sawa's character called, like, the Seed of Doubt or whatever it was called. Right. Which I don't even know if I can explain it on this podcast it, because it it's just basically him lying in a way that the other people believe him. It's like a thing that doesn't really exist. It's a made-up thing for this movie where he <laughs> just says something twice and then people believe him. And yeah. it's like some magical power that he has. And so I don't know if that's what that's in, like, if we're supposed to infer that he's trying to do that to her by like planting a seed about how cool this guy is. I don't even know. Right. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, she would be like, get out of here. This is insane. I don't know who this is. I don't care. I really Leave don't want to hang out with uh, someone named Cool Ethan. And I don't smoke, so I don't want this book of matches. Yeah, and I mean, well, this whole movie is basically something that could not happen today because this is, like, obviously, like, harassment and, like, pestering the girl and she's not interested and you just I feel keep, like, like, bothering her. The amount of disturbances that these uh, three dudes cause would get them expelled on its own. It's like they're constantly making scenes in classes, like, walking in, smoking a pipe and fucking bio or whatever yeah i know i don't wouldn't that professor be like security yeah well i mean obviously their plans to try to endear ethan to angela don't really work because ethan is terrible and all the while because of these situations and because there was an initial attraction anyway dave and angela kind of secretly start to get together and fall in love and their whole courtship is like insane it seems like on their second date is the one where they're falling out of a ceiling into a pool which i don't even know how to explain this he's like let me it's show a cut you this to, yeah and then they're falling out of a ceiling in their underwear into a pool and then like once yeah. they're in the pool they're like making out and then he's like holding her in the water and like kissing her stomach <laughs> right. which seems really kind of crazy to be kinda happening really on a second over the date. top yeah for not really being that comfortable with the person yet <laughs> 
Um, He's just like putting his face up against like her pussy. Well, and then right, <laughs> it's like they, what the fuck uh, consummate their relationship. But <laughs> something in this scene is revealed. Well, earlier in the movie, Dave uh, disguises himself as a census worker who shows up at uh, her. What's her name? The character Angela. Angela's parents' house. What you think? And who you think is her mom starts blowing him. Is that not her parents? She reveals that it's her stepmom. And he's like, oh, phew, your real mom lives in St. Louis. That's interesting. And like, As if it, that makes it better. I, I know. That's <laughs> my point. Yeah, I know. There are things in this movie like, okay, so you're- Like lo- that still wouldn't ruin it? You're still, if you're going to have this relationship, you'd still be living with this lie- I mean, your stepmom blew your boyfriend and then kissed your dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have Laura Prepon masturbating when Big Pete comes in and then she doesn't stop. That happens. You have a scene where Devin Sawa is blown by who you think is uh, Jamie King's mom at the time. You have different fantasy scenes where, like, one time Gina Gershon is involved with Jason Segel and another time... Uh, Jason Schwartzman is like making out with Cameron Diaz and like fondling her ass. And yes, it is Gina Gershon and Cameron Diaz right. appearing in this movie for some reason. It seems completely out of place. Uh, you also have Jim Rash and Nat Faxon both appearing in the movie who would right. go on to be Academy Award winning writers. <laughs> it's kind a, of shocking. It's a wild movie. Uh it it goes for big swings in the comedy department and usually you know, it's a miss. And that's the thing. Me. There are some really funny parts in it, mostly from Jason Schwartzman. But then there's just so much going on in every scene. They try to, like, squeeze in every possible little weird, obscene thing as well. That really none of those are ever hitting the mark for me. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, like... Part of what's funny is obviously um, the fact that like Schwartzman is not just like in love with her, but he's kind of like kind he he's kind of portrayed as maybe being insane. Yeah, has uh, a murderous rage because he talks her. about like love. He sings about like loving and hating her and keeping her like locked in a room and stuff, <laughs> which is funny. Um, now, genuinely, the most funny scene in the movie uh, is when. She's revealing to Jason Schwartzman that she likes Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dave. <laughs> Which hopefully we can pull that clip uh, is at the beginning of this. Yeah, I, I haven't even looked to see what kind of clips we might be able to pick. Um, so Roger Ebert gave this film a rare zero stars rating and described it as, quote, a dirty movie, not a sexy, erotic, steamy, or even smutty movie, but a just plain dirty movie. And gave it zero stars. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, like, yeah, I mean, there's parts in it where you're just like, okay, there's a part where he's showering and singing Schwartzman. And, all right, the stuff that he's singing is kind of funny, although most of it's uh, unintelligible because he's, like, the water is going in his mouth or something. And then... It's funny that he has his chest hair shaved into an A for Angela. But then it also shows him peeing in the shower. 
and, it's and you're like, just well, like, why is why is he peeing in the shower? Like, why is that funny? Like, it, it's just not needed. But like the whole that's kind of a metaphor for the whole movie. It's just like an unneeded part to be like, look look how dirty we are for no reason. Yeah. It's also like again without the the teachers or the professors playing any part in this, the amount of security going on for these dorm rooms is apparently zero. Uh, people just openly walk into girls' dorm rooms. Well, yeah, Can you just do that? Angela and her friend, her roommate, Laura Prepon, they like never lock their door, <laughs> apparently, because <laughs> there's people just walking in all the time. And Laura Prepon at the one part just tells the dude to just go in Angela's room. <laughs> so, you know, once uh, Ethan finds out the truth, he tries to like ruin everything, between, everything. Yeah, ruin everything between uh, Angela and Dave by kind of revealing half of it to her. Like, in other words, he tries to put it off like, oh, I was in love with you and you're so beautiful, but I was oh, afraid. Right. So, so I... I paid them to do this and blah, yes. blah, blah. You know, kind of the whole the whole thing that always like blows up, like when the plan is revealed in a teen movie, like, you know, she's all that or whatever. You know, like when the truth comes out about whatever and then people are pissed i'd be interested to know about you etc etc if this move has ever worked for anyone uh paying someone to help you get a girl i don't know i don't mean like i don't mean some sort of like professional wingman service or something (laughs) like just somebody that you think is a cool dude and you're like hey you seem to be able to talk to chicks i'll pay you like however much i don't know uh a couple hundred bucks to Get me hooked up with her. I mean, has that ever worked? In the real world? I don't know. Probably not. But who knows? If you do know, tweet the show. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Because <laughs> we're, we're interested. <laughs> let us know the scenario. Right. Um, and so, you know, briefly for a minute, uh, Ethan and Angela are kind of awkwardly united against Dave, even though... Ethan is still being like a, a super creep, and uh, yeah, he thinks sh- that she's this kind is of, his in now. She's so upset by Dave's betrayal or perceived betrayal of her that she's kind of blinded to how terrible Ethan is for a little bit. And ultimately, like the resolution is, Dave is just like, "Well, I'm just gonna stop lying about everything and just come clean about everything from the beginning, including cheating." And so we're, you know, I'm gonna get kicked out of school for cheating, but. You know, hopefully Angela understands that my feelings for her are real and blah, blah, blah. Which works, <laughs> I mean, by it, the way. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I do think it's funny that they go inside and they take a snap... Like, they, they, they take a snapshot of Ethan's shrine to Angela and the whole, like, they show that Polaroid to Angela and inform her about the hair doll and everything. And her reaction is to like laugh at the humiliation of Ethan rather than to be scared slash horrified. Right. Which is the I mean, real that reaction. would just be like downright frightening how often this dude was like in your room following you. Like I would be afraid for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, there is a part where he takes a pair of underwear that you assume are Angela's and puts them over, puts the underwear over his face and you're just like well how did he get the underwear so he right. must it, have broken into a room i mean it gets you thinking also a scene that i'd like to talk about is whenever he's first approaching the three dudes about 
blackmailing them. Uh, they're playing basketball, and he broaches the subject to them. Jason Schwartzman, that is. And then all of a sudden, it's a cut to <laughs> everyone like nude, just wearing towels in the locker room. Right, and it's like, <laughs> why? I know. Why did that happen? Right, like he's just like, hey, I need to talk to you guys about something. Let's while all jump in the shower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we, you know, get to see Devin Sawa's ass for seemingly no reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was, hoof. Uh, now was this kind of really the end of the line for Devin Sawa? I mean, I'm sure. He yeah, acted. I mean, right after this movie wrap, they put him and Big Pete into a rocket ship and blasted it off into <laughs> space. Because I haven't seen either of them since. I know it's like he he uh, was in some stuff in the '90s, had a bit of a run there, but yeah, I mean, uh, Jason Segel obviously kind of went on to bigger and better. Yeah, uh, Laura Prepon. She's, she's in still... orange and the new is the new black and she's kind of kicking around from time to time. She was in a movie where she plays the love interest of fucking uh Wade Garrett from fucking Roadhouse. What's his name? Oh, Sam Elliott? Yeah. Sam fucking Elliott. Wow. That just came out like last year. Holy shit. She's like what is she like 40 years younger than him? Uh, yeah, maybe more. Wow, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Probably. I would say probably more. Yeah. Uh and you know Jamie King, she obviously had some struggles. I think she was on that show with uh, Rachel Bilson, Heart of Dixie or something. I mean, she's kind oh, of okay. from time to time. She's kind of transitioned into like a, you know, uh, a, a Hallmark Channel kind of career. But hey, I mean, you still see her. Devin Sawa, I mean, is he even alive? I I don't know. Right. Who knows? He's refuting rumors that he's living out of a van, which I just saw Terry Hatcher was doing. <laughs> refuting. I'm like, I'm glad there's rumors that Terry Hatcher's living in a van. She could come live with me yeah. for free. <laughs> right. I think that offer would be out there for from a lot of dudes. Um, <laughs> On that note. <laughs> that uh, slackers. Yeah, I mean. We'll see you next time. It's, uh, it is what it is. Um, I think for our show... You know, it's kind of hard to do a movie like this because it's just so over the top that there's it's kind of hard to grasp onto anything as being real in it because it's just characters are acting in ways that people would never act. They're reacting to things in insane ways. They're doing things that you could never do and getting, you know what I mean? It's just like, right. I, you can't. Yeah, it's hard to even weigh in on that. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like. If I thought that I had, like, if I was in some situation socially and I thought that I had, like, a legitimate real chance with Jamie King, I would fucking slit your throat for that chance. Yeah. But that's never going to be a thing, so I don't know. It's hard. I like, can't put, I can't get into this mindset. Of in the like, context of this show and kind of how we do this show, I, I think it's a little bit tough to be like, imagine you walk into a room and some college chick is just using a vibrator on the couch and just continues to do so and you would just be like i can't imagine that yeah. and then we just move on <laughs> yeah i thought oh god I, f- I feel like i had something i was gonna say but i kind of yeah i think i did too but it's escaping me now um yeah i don't know so that's it for the listener requests uh <laughs> we might do another run of them probably not but i think we're certainly open to at least people kind of, if you want to tweet or text me 
or uh, yes, yeah, people want to throw out a listener request. I think it'll be a more you know it would probably be, be a more casual right. thing. Like you know, oh, we like this, so we'll do it. Yeah, um, we certainly have some some slots open in, in the episodes coming up. I think no, so, no, no, oh, not, no, no, no. Po- they would not be until definitely after episode one hundred. Okay, right. So this is eighty eight. So you know, who knows how long it's going to take us to get to a hundred, but. After that, yeah. maybe we would be open to suggestions. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think, you know, obviously there was some disappointment with the Deep Rising episode, and I think maybe there will be disappointment or horror with this one as well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we watched the movies and we talked about them. I don't know what else we need to do. That's what the show is. We didn't tell you that we were going to, you know, appreciate your terrible taste. Or be funny while we talk about it. <laughs> no, that's never a guarantee that's not on the table <laughs> if we're if we're funny it's you know an accident i guess is there anything else we can say about slackers i think uh i think we it was a time much... and place i mean they i will say this they definitely don't really make a lot of comedies anymore there i i feel like if this movie got made today it would be you know straight to netflix or vod i don't think it would get made today um, and that's not necessarily a good thing, even though this isn't the greatest movie ever, because it is kind of sad that there are just they don't take chances with comedies at all right now. Um, you know, I went out and I saw Game Night, which, you know, at best was like a B, B minus. But it was I was like, well, it's a comedy. I mean, I want, I'm going to get out there and support it. I'll probably see that Cockblockers movie, too. Uh, yeah. Super Troopers 2 coming out. In a month or so, right. I mean, we'll get that going. So, I mean, there are at least a few out, but I mean, you look at how many comedies are released in any given year, and it's it's not a lot, folks. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it not like it used to that be. That market not really uh, happening. Probably because of movies like Slackers that come out and make no money and no one cares about and are terrible. There's probably just like a lot of people afraid right now too with the. Just oh yeah, I being mean, there's, there's so many everything. things in this movie that are would be considered offensive today. I mean, there's a lot of like gay panic humor. There's a uh, casual use of uh, the R word, retarded. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, there's well, even going back. And to... Obviously, the whole premise is offensive to women. I mean, it's you know. Well, yeah. Uh, even going back to. The original Hangover movie, though, and how much of a hit that was. But I just think about that, the part where Bradley Cooper's like paging Dr. Faggot, <laughs> which I died in the theater. I just, it was just so funny, just him being like such a dick to his friend in front of his friend's like fiance or whatever. But it's like that, it, I don't know how that must have just snuck in. Yeah, well, before this wave, that was like 2009, right? That was almost a decade ago at yeah, this point. That's true. And you saw by the time it got, not that the third one was even remotely good, but by the time it got to the third one, people were done. Yeah, and I mean, I'm fine with uh, people being like, "Well, you know, that's a horribly offensive word," and rightfully so. But it's just like, it's the reason that it's so obscene is why it's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I do think that people forget that. I think people have kind of forgotten that comedy is supposed to be offensive and pushing the envelope, and it isn't supposed to always make you feel good. It's you know, right? A lot of it's like it, it isn't supposed it is to be uncomfortable. You know, politically correct. It's supposed to put you know, but you know, we 
we kind of are at a time now where that you know every you, everyone has to be politically and correct it's i mean whatever yeah that's fine i mean if people are like yeah that's unacceptable we can't have that in our movies okay but you know then <laughs> there is no comedies coming out i mean yeah i'm trying to think i don't think there was like anything in game night that would be even remotely offensive in any of those kind of ways not that it has to be but you know i do th- I, but there I think is there something is to like that fear of like shock humor that well yeah but it's also more like well okay we know what's considered offensive right now in this moment and so if we start writing the script, we know what to leave out of it. But who's to say by the time the movie comes out that something else oh, isn't right. like the hot yeah. button well, that, it's, thing? Yeah, it's, it's in like, ever-evolving You see landscape. how they, they were upset about the Peter Rabbit thing, which I think we mentioned on one of oh, these. Oh, right, it's just yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like Something that seems like you're like, I can't even think of a way that this would be bad. And then like, oh, wait, it is. <laughs> so You know what I mean? Like There's always something. Yeah. So, I don't know. Should we cut all this part out, maybe? No, I mean, it's fine. Okay. We're fleshing out this episode. All um, right. All right. So, uh, thanks for listening. I think we'll be getting back to ones that we pick, which, you know, if you kind of compare how invested we were in Empire Records versus this, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a big difference. But I think we <laughs> we probably skipped over like a million things in this, but I, I, it's hard to even remember what happened. Um, <laughs> so, uh, thanks for listening. Um I think I think it's safe to say that the next episodes leading up to 100 are all going to be on point. Well, yeah, much more. We're going to really take them seriously and try to get like some real quality apps out there. Um, We're going to try. Yeah, we'll see. follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and uh, give us a tweet. And uh, thanks for listening.
do enough to show you love me, you know. Fuck you, you greasy trailer park boy. Oh, don't worry about her, Julian. Jesus Christ, she is hot, though. No. Ah, there's lots of better girls out there than her. Come on, buddy. That's right, buddy. Let's go.